The proof of desire is reaching, and the proof of reaching is progress. You are now listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with your host, George Valenzuela. This is education coach George Valenzuela. Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast, where I provide all educators, whether instructional leaders or teachers, tips on how to be their best, both personally and professionally. Now let's get into it. We're here today with my very good friend, Dr. Don Parker. Don is an education consultant, expert, speaker, and author. And he's based out of my favorite city ever, Chicago. How are you? I'm doing all right, bro. I love that you excel in three major areas of your life. Number one, you put family first, like I try to do. Two, you're a kick-ass entrepreneur like myself. And three, you're very passionate about fitness. But before we dive into these topics, please introduce yourself to our audience. My name is Dr. Don Parker. I'm a former health and physical education teacher. Then I became a dean of students. Then I became an assistant principal for curriculum instruction and assistant principal for extracurricular activities and athletics. I was a principal for the past six years, and I recently resigned from my principal position so I can provide professional development full time. And what I do is work with principals to improve their cultural climate and increase the feeling of belonging in my students. I work with teachers to build relationships with students who have trauma. As a result of working with me, principals experience stronger culture and climate in their buildings, and teachers have better relationships with students so that they can enhance the classroom experience for themselves and for their learners. That's fantastic, Don. You and I met in Flagstaff, Arizona. We were both there for PD on behalf of Solution Tree, and we exchanged numbers. We then saw each other again in California and have become really good friends. I have to say, Don, I am very impressed with you as a person, your mission for your work, and I have to give credit where it's due, the very well-produced and engaging videos on your social media. From your perspective, Don, how has our relationship evolved and where are we today? I appreciate that, George, man. I'm a spiritual person just like you are. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, he who wants friends must first show himself friendly. So thank you because you definitely showed yourself friendly to me when we met in Flagstaff, Arizona, and you're very open to new relationships, very warm and friendly towards me. And then when you extended the invitation for me to join you for dinner when we were in California, I appreciate that. I'm also am impressed with you. I love how you carry yourself. I love the passion that you have for education. And I just love your self-determination and drive because you know that in order to have a greater impact and to add value to the people who you serve, you have to continue to add value to yourself. That's something, like you said, we have in common. I appreciate that. And I appreciate knowing you, man. It's been a pleasure. I just appreciate the genuine person who you are. And I'm going to tell you why, because we all have relationships, but there's a difference between relationships and realships. So realships is what I consider to be real relationships. Even though it's been a short time since we've met and started cultivating our relationship, it's just real because you're an authentic person. I'm an authentic person. And that's how we uh, create authentic relationships. That truly means a lot to me, Don. One of the things I've been working on in 2023 is relationships. I realize mid-2022 relationships are the most important thing in life, but they're really the most difficult thing to cultivate in life. I am definitely working on that, and it feels good to hear you say that. This is the Lifelong Learning to Find podcast, and on this show, we focus on self-improvement by interviewing people who are excelling in three important areas of their life so that we can learn from them to experience similar success. Don, tell us your views on being a family man. 
family is everything. You cannot choose your family. You cannot replace your family. You just have to be appreciative of the family that you have and cultivate those relationships. I've been blessed with a beautiful wife of 21 years and two gorgeous daughters that are my two princesses. My oldest daughter is 16. My youngest daughter is 13. And they have me in the palm of their hands. I'll do anything for them. Most important, I know that I've been entrusted with their lives and helping them navigate this world and raising them. I feel like it's very important to me to be a good role model for them and to help them believe in themselves and know that anything is possible. So I have to live my life in that way too. I believe in talking the talk, but most importantly, walking the walk. There's a quote that says, people can't believe in what you say because they watch what you do. I want what I say and what I do to match. And so as I'm giving them these life lessons, I have to live it because family is so important. I want to let my family know that I live my values so they, they can also learn those values. That is so good, Don. The reason why I ask about family as the first thing on this show is because think of our friends and family, the ones we have. Whenever we see each other, even if it's only been after a week or it's been a long time, the first thing everyone asks about is family. Family truly is the most important thing. A lot of people have come in this show and have given a lot of responses, but no one has ever said, my family has been entrusted to me. I really do agree with that. Our children, our wife, if we are a woman, our husband, our children are a trust and it's a temporary trust that one day has to go away. Mm -hmm. On that note, how would you describe the relationship with your wife? There's a lot of dynamics because not only are we husband and wife, so we have the marriage relationship, we're friends, so we have a friendship. We're business partners. So we have a business relationship as well. And we support one another. So that's the relationship I have with my wife. Like I said, I've been married for 21 years. And I watched her move into this entrepreneurial space before I did. And I supported her mm -hmm. with exactly what she wanted to do in order to fulfill what she felt was her purpose in life and how she wanted to have an impact. She used to be a communications director for a school district. Oh, and gotcha. She, okay. You know how schools have to paint their own narrative because there's a quote that says, good news travel, but bad news travels faster. The media <laughs> loves the bad news. So anything uh, unfortunate that happens in schools, uh, a lot of people find out about it and then they create their opinions in their minds of what they feel that school is. In order to help schools push that positive narrative, she would go in and take pictures of all the great things that's happening in the schools, take videos, edit them and make these nice highlight clips. And then school districts would take these videos and pictures and other forms of multimedia and put them on their websites. So the community would know that the school is doing what they can to cultivate positivity in the school environment. She wants to do this for her own business. So she created her own business where she serves multiple school districts by doing mm. this work. I said, okay, if you want to stay at home and do this and feel like that's your purpose, then go for it. There came a time in my life where I wanted to have more impact and do what I felt was my purpose in life. She supported me with the same manner of commitment, dedication, and encouragement. One thing we say is that we got each other's back. But in order to describe my relationship, like you said, I think I can sum it up like this. There's a quote that says, behind every good man, there's a good woman. But I like to say, besides every good man, there's a good woman. Because we side by side. Done. I typically don't repeat things that my friends and I talk about, but we talked about your wife's video work. Mm -hmm. If you recall, I think about a month ago, I asked you about your last video and mm -hmm. I said, it was fantastic. It's the best one I've ever seen. I even reposted it on my Instagram story. Your wife made that, right? Yep, absolutely. So that's what I mean when I said she supports me and encourages me. Building your speaking business has a lot to do with advertising and marketing. Okay. So if yeah. you want to build your business, you have to build your advertising and marketing. And that's with any business. Advertising and marketing is so important. She helps me with a lot of my advertising and marketing. 
she would come out and videotape me, edit videos, make highlight videos, mm -hmm. make reels and things like that in order to help promote me as a speaker. She's really gifted and talented in that way. It's fortunate for me that I have her in order to help me do that. Done. We both know relationships are extremely difficult, not easy to navigate all the time. What would you tell someone who is struggling to connect with their spouse? I would tell that person to, first of all, listen and understand their perspective. We are familiar with Stephen Covey's quote that says, you have to seek first to understand and then to be understood. Mm. So it's very important that we listen to find out what the true person's needs are. Number two, one thing to really strengthen a relationship is this, is whatever it is that you want out of that relationship from that other person, you have to be willing to also do for that other person. If you want someone to listen to you more or you want someone to do more things to add to the relationship to help it grow, you gotta be willing to do the same thing that you're asking of somebody else. Folks out there listening, two major takeaways. Number one, stand side by side. It's mm -hmm. a partnership. Relationships are a partnership. And two, practice what you preach. If you want somebody to do something for you, make sure that you're willing to go above and beyond for them as well. Now let's talk about your beautiful kids, Don. My oldest daughter is 16. When she was younger, growing up, I was able to dictate what she did. I was a little bit of living vicariously through her. So I wanted her to play basketball just like I played basketball. I wanted her to play sports. I always wanted to learn how to play piano. So we put her in piano. And of course, speaking is very important. So uh, we were cultivating uh, her gift of speaking. And she would just go along with it. Up until about the time when she was nine or 10 years old. <laughs> then she would tell me, Dad, I play basketball and I do these speeches and I play piano all because of you, because I know that's what you wanted to see me do. She said, but now as I get older, she said, I like these things, but it's not really how I want to spend my time. It's not what I want to focus on. Uh, I had a talk to ask her, what is it that you really want to do? And she told me that she loves reading and writing and she wants to be a writer. What I found out raising children is like before, you could just tell them what to do. But as they get older, instead of you just telling them what to do, you become more of a consultant. <laughs> where, where she consults <laughs> me about what she wants to do. And I just encourage her. She's a gifted speaker and just has a heart full of gold. Another reason why she is so great and why I view her in such a adoring manner is because my youngest daughter has special needs. She is the fiercest advocate, caretaker, protector of my youngest daughter. She takes on that role of Dick's sister seriously. She is always protecting her little sister, always making sure she has what she needs and has vowed to always be there for her. My youngest daughter has rare disease called FOXP1 syndrome. She has what the doctors call a global delay meaning she has a speech delay, physical delay, and intellectual delay. The doctors told her she'll need daily assistant living for the rest of her life. She also has autism along with that as well. But George, she is the sweetest little girl, honest to God. And we just continue to cultivate her because she also has gifts, even though she has a rare disease. We're constantly pouring love and affection and support to her so she can also reach her potential and live her purpose in life as well. Don, as I hear you speak, you don't take a lot of credit, but you're a great role model, man. Our children are always a reflection of us. And just the way that you describe your kids, especially your eldest, that's because of you and your wife, brother. 100%. We are familiar with that phrase, he who is much is given, much is required. I know mm -hmm. I've been given and blessed with a lot. I have to give back. You mentioned your daughter came to you and told you, look, I did the sports and the speaking because of you, but I want to be a writer. What would you tell a parent that wants to encourage his or her child to explore their passions? 
I would tell a parent to give their children as much exposure as possible. Expose them to as many things as you can. But then when it comes down to them choosing what their path is, now it goes from exposure to encouragement. And you just expose mm -hmm. them to more of the things that they said that they're interested in. For the most part, we could be around a house. I could be watching a game. My wife could be doing some work on a computer. And we go check up my older daughter. And she's on her Chromebook writing. And I'm like, hey, Danae, what are you doing? She, I'm just typing out the next two or three chapters for this novel that I'm working on. And when you find your kids engaging in activities where you don't have to force them or encourage them or prompt them or prod them in order to practice, and you find them doing that in their leisure time, then that's what they enjoy doing. That's why I know it's true that she loves writing because we don't have to prompt her, encourage her, or give her any incentives. It's just all intrinsic, right? She just loves writing, writing novels. That's what her passion is. As parents, find out what it is that your children like to do on their own, where they will spend their free time doing without you even having to bug them about it. When you see that, what that is, it's like that quote from Steve Jobs when he says, if you find that you love the work that you're doing, it doesn't even feel like work. Find out what your kids love and encourage them to do that. I completely agree. Having young people cultivate their interests into passions is such an important thing. If you look at adults that haven't done that, very rarely are they happy. You're right. Because a lot of people are doing things and we feel like we have to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% right. necessary that a lot of people are doing exactly what they love. They do what they do because they also love their families. They feel like this is what I have to do in order to be a responsible provider. What we have to do is match our passions with our jobs so we can be excited about the work that we're doing. So we're not only just doing work, but we're also doing purposeful work. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening on Spotify or iTunes, please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button and share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues who are interested in self-improvement through lifelong learning. And now for a word from one of our sponsors. Are technology issues slowing you down at your school? If that's the case, look no further than Five Star Technologies Virtual Help Desk. Their team of experts are available to support you remotely, resolving up to 40% of common issues like password resets, device connectivity, and lots more. With just a few clicks, you'll have access to their live chat from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Just enter your email to get started. Then you'll live chat with one of Five Star's EdTech experts to diagnose your problem. And if their virtual help desk agent can't solve the issue completely, they will dispatch the ticket to your school's on-site tech team. Let Five Star Technology Solutions be your support partner. Experience their virtual help desk, which is affordable, efficient, and always there for you. Please contact them at fivestartech.com forward slash contact us. Once again, fivestartech.com forward slash contact us. And for your convenience, you'll find this link in the episode show notes. Now let's transition into your business. Don, how did you get into entrepreneurship? I was at a crossroads in my career. You know, I did a lot of reflection over COVID. As we returned to in-person learning, when we got back from the pandemic, I was thinking, man, during this time of reflection, I felt like, what other impact can I be making in this world? At the time, I had a, a conversation with my superintendent, and he said, hey, you have to make a decision whether you want to continue to be a principal or if you want to be a professional development provider and a speaker. Mm. Most people are afraid to take a risk because it's a risk because on a job, you're going to get that paycheck every two weeks. You got that insurance. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, 
that salary is that drug that keeps you from living your dreams. I said, I want to live my dreams. Any day of the week I choose, if I wanted to go back and be a principal, I'm sure I can make a few emails, make a few phone calls, and I can get a principal's position. And I always thought that I would be a principal and maybe continue to just grow my career in education, maybe one day go to district office and being a superintendent. And that's what my projection was on. And I was always thinking at the end of my career, then I could be a full-time speaker. But I have a homie who's an entrepreneur. He grew his wealth through real estate. And he told me, he said, Don, if you think that you can work until the day you retire and then live your dreams, he said, bro, that's so 1990s thinking. And so he pushed me. He pushed me. He said, you know what? It's a disservice to your creator to continue to have this gift and not use it and not cultivate it. And so that's really the motivation that pushed me to pursue my dreams and to become an educational speaker and professional development provider. That is such a great story. Very inspirational. Lots of people always come to me, hey, George, how do I do what you do? How do I do what Don does? And always say to them, work on your craft, get mentorships, do the things you have to do, but you mm -hmm. don't have a business if your skill sets can't pay twice your overhead. Mm. Once of people do that, I always say to them, stay in your job, do as much as you can in the meanwhile, and then eventually mm -hmm. you'll get better and better. Don, like you mentioned, and like I always say to people, being an education consultant isn't easy. What are three pieces of advice that you would give someone who's just starting out? Number one, you gotta believe in yourself. There's a quote that says, what you believe is what you be. So mm. if, if you can believe in yourself, then that's the first step. You have to have the courage. You have to believe in your skill set. You have to believe that you can meet the financial goals that you need to meet in order to be a speaker. Number two, you have to have a vision for what you want your business to be. You have to have a vision, seeing yourself doing the work, seeing yourself being successful. And you have to attract the things that you want in your life to come to fruition. If you really want to be an entrepreneur or a, a speaker like we are. And then number three, you have to have a niche. So you have to become an expert in at least one topic that you know a lot about or the research about. You have great experience doing that topic and you have to be able to speak about it so naturally through your experience and research on that topic. So those would be the top three things I would say. So number one, belief, vision, and have your niche. That is fantastic advice. Anyone out there listening, if you want to be an entrepreneur, even if you don't want to be an edupreneur, that's fine. Take the advice. It's belief, it's vision, and niche. Yep. Now, speaking of niche, you're also an author on top of being a speaker. Mm -hmm. And here's your brand new book, Be the Driving Force. It's through Solution Tree, which is also <laughs> my man, Don. Yeah, All right, is. Don. All right, being that you have your book, tell us about your book. Be the Driving Force, Leading Your School on the Road to Equity is a book about school leadership and how school leaders can advance equity in their schools. When I wrote this book, it combined my vision of cars with my love of school leadership. I married my love of, of cars with my love of school leadership. So the book, all throughout the book, is an analogy that compares school leadership and driving a car. So for instance, I, I used to teach drivers ed. And when we would teach drivers who were learning how to drive, we would tell them, Hey, you have to look far down the road. You just can't look one or two cars ahead of you. You have to look as far down the road as possible. Why? Because you can see the changes in traffic pattern. You can see the obstacles in the road in order to avoid them. And then you always have to have your mind and your destination of you know, where you're trying to get. So it's the same thing with a school leader. You have to have a vision for your school and you have to avoid 
those obstacles in the road that could hinder your success as a school leader. At the end of the day, you have to have a vision of what you want your school to be like. So it's a great environment for your staff, students and community. And you always have to go in a direction to meet that. That's my analogy that has to do with driving, that has to do with school leadership is the importance of vision. So that's just one example. That is so fantastic. As I read books and I was reading your book, I always look for the parallels in the author's journey and also my journey. One of the things that I always speak about as being the catalyst for me getting into professional development is that I never wanted to be a transactional leader. The leader that says, here's the PD and here's the books and here's the resources. Now figure it out. I always wanted to be a transformational leader. Would you mind if I read a quote out of your book? No, please do. I not. You wrote, transformational leadership focuses on inspiring and motivating others to achieve higher levels of performance and personal growth. I love that you marry the two, personal mm -hmm. and professional. We're mm -hmm. here on the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast. Lifelong learning is personal and also professional mm -hmm. or self-improvement. Speak on that a little bit because that's what gets me going. That's the purpose of my work. That's my passion is helping people improve both. When I work with teachers in order to teach them the importance of building a relationship with students, we are all familiar with the quote that says, uh, children don't care much unless they know how much you care. So mm -hmm. I tell teachers, you just can't say that you teach math or I teach science and you just teach content. Because if that's your mindset, that's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Teachers say, I don't teach respect. It's not my job to teach respect. That's what the social worker is here. It's the social worker's responsibility to teach social emotional learning. But as a teacher, you have to be just as interested in the personal success as your students are you as you are in their academic success. So mm -hmm. as a leader, it's the same thing. I have to be interested in seeing my staff's overall well-being and not just how they're performing on the job. So I take that time to build relationships with my staff. How are you doing? How are your children doing? How's your family? What are you working on that's outside of the school? What's some things that you're working out some areas of personal or professional improvement that you're working towards. I'll let them know that I'm just as interested in you as I am in how well you perform here in this school. What's that? Building those genuine relationships, letting people know that you care about them. Because when people know that you got their back, then they'll have your back. And that's the kind of leader I want to be. I want to make sure that we're supporting each other. Don, there's a school in Chicago missing out on a great principal, but there's an entire world experiencing a great coach and a Man, great teacher. I appreciate speaker. that. Appreciate that. I appreciate you, brother. When I think of a person that I've met and I consider them for friendship, I always look for like-mindedness. Reading your book, hearing you speak, you always put people first. And mm -hmm. that is something that I really like about you. You not only hype me up in person, but you do on social media, you always make it a point to always congratulate, to always say nice things to me and know that you do that for other people, beginning with your family. 100%, man. You know what they say, that real recognize real. So George, we recognize each other. <laughs> we cut from the same cloth, my brother. So we see yes, that sir. in each other because you do the same thing. I remember we were in Lake Elsinore, California, and it was the day before we had to present. We grabbed a bite to eat and we had to walk mm -hmm. through the mall to get back to our car. Oh. And we decided to stop in a shoe store there was a young lady there and she said wow it's great to see two educators of color because we really need more of that here she was like my daughter goes to school and she doesn't have any educators of color and she started talking about how her daughter was experiencing discrimination and racism yeah. there at the school 
And man, you poured in her so well, you advocated, you gave her so many tools and things that she could do in order to remedy the situation that she had. And you encouraged her to take the actions because you were concerned about her because you saw the level of anxiety that she had in order to send her daughter in that school environment every day. And you told her exactly what she should do. And you didn't have to do that. You had just met her. But you had showed her love, compassion, and empathy. And you took time out your day to really guide her as far as what she can do for her daughter. Brother, it's the same thing, man. You have a great heart. You love other people. And I appreciate that about you. Don, lots of educators are looking at your book and they also want to be an author. What would you tell an aspiring author that has never written a book? They want to take the step, but they're not sure what to do. I would say read a lot of other books, see how they're structured, see how other authors present their content. Not necessarily saying you have to do it in that manner, but find your own writing style. And so you have to think about what message you want to communicate. What you have to do is connect your experience with your personal stories and then just infuse the research in there and then just paint a clear picture of the way you communicate as far as how you talk it's almost the same way when you write just as you was having a conversation with somebody telling them about something or trying to inform them or educate them on a certain topic that's the same way you want to write you want to write in a conversational manner so it's easy to read but then you also want to provide supporting evidence and that's where the research comes in a lot of people, they not only want to know what you think and how you feel based on your experience, they want to know what evidence you have to support your practice. I always make sure that I support anything that I write with the latest and cutting edge research just to let my readers know that this is coming from not only my authority, but another authority and how it's evidence and research based. That is such great advice, Don. And I want to add to that, have the right publisher. Mm -hmm. When I wrote my very first book with Solution Tree, and I have to give them props, my editor, Sarah Jubar, at the time, she would give me feedback after every chapter. Mm -hmm. Not only that, she would give me ideas, put a table here, put a figure there. That helped me become a much better writer. To reiterate what you said, just make the writing conversational. It's got to mm -hmm. be research informed. You need to tell your story, but it has to be conversational. A teacher that is reading a solution tree book, they're very busy. They have a lot going on. They need actionable steps that they can follow right away. That's what I love about your book. And I think aspiring authors would also benefit from that practice. And now for a word from one of our sponsors. If you're a STEM and PBL teacher like me, you're always on the lookout for new project ideas and resources. You know George does PBL, and I'm telling you, Look no further than Smart Lab. Smart Lab really has a fresh take on STEM and PBL. I'm proud to be a partner and they sponsor the podcast. But just don't take my word for it. Check out what other educators are saying about Smart Lab. When students enter into Smart Lab, they are allowed to think outside of traditional norms. It gives them a lot of agency. They feel empowered and important. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of the Smart Lab environment and the way the project process is set up. Smart Lab becomes this place where they can do those things and have the time and space to like communicate better and, and even like deal with social emotional stuff. Like they're having a bad day. A Smart Lab's a place where we can change the pace of what they're learning to match their mental needs for the day. And then and that comes back tenfold later on when they want to be there and they want to learn and they want to do stuff and they feel safe and they feel like they can get the things they need. That's one of the big benefits of being in more of a collaborative environment is it, it makes, makes you have to work. It makes you have to be accountable.
please look in this episode's show notes for a link to connect with Smart Lab. Let's talk about your passion for fitness. Don, how did you get started on your fitness journey? For folks out there that can see Don's face, but you can't really see his build. In real life, this brother is jacked. This brother <laughs> has a lot of chest, has a lot of arms. Don, how did you get started on this journey? Very impressive. Okay. I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I've been involved in sports ever since I was a youth. All right, played high school football, played college basketball, and I'm a PE and health teacher. But it goes back to what I said before about talking to talk and walking to walk. As a high school physical education teacher, I always spoke to my students about the importance of fitness and being lifelong learners and living healthy lifestyles. I had to walk the walk. I wouldn't want to be one of those PE teachers to stand up in front of my class and say, do 25 jumping jacks, do 25 push-ups and 25 sit-ups, and I can't do two. It's always been important to me to maintain a high level of fitness be in good shape. What's important because our bodies are vehicles in life. When they break down, we break down. I want to go as far as I can. So I'm always maintaining my fitness because I want to be here for my family. A lot of heads of family say, I do anything. I die for my family. Yeah. But my question is, what will you do to live for your family? Me having a special needs daughter, knowing I won't be here for her entire life, but I want to be here for as much of it as I can because she needs me here. Those are such powerful reflections. Myself, I have worked on fitness most of my adult life and adolescence. I'm in two cities a week, brother. It's hard mm -hmm. for me to always get into the gym. It's hard for me to always eat right. I do the best I can and I fit in those suits and I feel mm -hmm. good about myself. Mm -hmm. but when I hang out with you, it's a reality check <laughs> that I need to level up. Next time you see me in Lake Elsinore in uh -huh. California, you're going to see me doing better. You, you ain't doing bad now, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Every time I see you, I'm like, okay, this brother, I can tell he's taking care of himself. You look healthy and you look like you are living a good life, man. And that's because you have a good heart. And I know you're taking care of yourself on the inside and on the outside, George. You can't pull the, the wool over my eyes. I know you... <laughs> In the gym, I know you eat right. I know you're doing what you're supposed to do because you also understand the importance of physical and mental health. Me, I'm in the gym at least four days a week. I play basketball probably about two days a week. And yes, a lot of people are busy and sometimes it's hard for them to dedicate the time to work out as much as they would like. But it's a sacrifice because whenever you sacrifice something, that means it pays off in another area. And I make sacrifices to make sure that I can continue to be healthy. Don, what would you tell a person that wants to do better in their fitness journey, but they're really struggling? I would tell them to just, just to make a reasonable goal that they can actually meet. I would tell them that it doesn't happen overnight. Just be consistent. You have to take the time to do it. Mm. So just like we are conditioned to do things that we have to do, we have to condition ourselves to also exercise to take care of ourselves. And sometimes I would set an alarm. And when that alarm go off, that's the signal that conditions me to say, okay, it's time to hit the gym. I've been working, sitting down at this desk now for three hours. So when an alarm goes off, that's my time to take a brain break, to go get a workout, then I can come back to the work. And then I would tell them, don't get discouraged. All right, we're not gonna get healthy or in shape overnight, but over time we will. So I would tell a person, hey, if right now, if you had to give yourself a grade for how healthy you was, and that grade was a D, then I would say for goal, to make that grade be a C within the next three months. And then the following three months, you want to take that grade from a C to a B. You're just going to continue to get better over time until you get to a level of, of, of fitness 
where you're comfortable. So you're saying make goals in 90 day intervals. Absolutely. Yes. And you just be consistent doing whatever action steps you need to take in order to increase your level of fitness. That is mind blowing. Everyone listening, you just got a golden nugget right there. Nothing happens overnight. Rome wasn't built in one day, nope. but they laid brick every day. Yes, sir. We are now winding down with Don and we're going to get into the quick fire question round of the podcast. Don, what are your top three educational technology tools? AI and AI. <laughs> I completely agree. The educational tools right there. Don, what's your favorite education book other than yours? You know this. I've been talking to you a lot about when I was one of the speakers at the Transformer School Culture Institute with Dr. Anthony Muhammad. I understand the importance of school culture. So one of my favorite books is Transformer School Culture by Dr. Anthony Muhammad. I really like that book because when I was a new principal and I needed to improve my culture, I put into practice a lot of what I read in that book. And my school culture did improve a lot as a result of me practicing some of those things I learned about in that book. I'm a big fan of Dr. Muhammad as well. Dr. Muhammad, if you're watching this, if you're listening, please come on the show. We would love to have you. Don, what's your favorite education conference and why? One of my favorite conferences that I really love going to is called the Superintendent's Commission of Demographics and Diversity. And it's right here in the south suburbs of Chicago. And I love that conference because I have a lot of colleagues that I know who also present at that conference. They bring in great speakers to present at the conference. And it's almost like a reunion of all the educators in my area where we get together and go to that conference, learn together, continue to build, grow and network and strengthen relationships. And you will walk away with the wealth of resource on how to improve your school and provide resources to your students as a result of attending that conference. Don, what are three things people need to do every day? Express gratitude, practice self-care and get better. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So constant improvement. Don, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received and how did that influence your life? The best piece of advice that I've ever received is the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated. And that's influenced mm -hmm. my life just the way I live. I want to be treated with respect. I want to be loved and valued. So I treat other people with respect and I let people know that I value them as well. Don, I picked three things I love and respect about you. And just to recap for the audience, you put family first. You're a great speaker and entrepreneur and you're passionate about fitness. Is there anything we didn't cover that you want people watching or listening to know about you? I want them to know that I have a passion for youth and I like motivating people to find their purpose, live their purpose and encourage them to be the best person that they can be because every one of us, whether we realize it or not, are blessed with talents, gifts, and we're designed in a unique way to do a purpose that only we are commissioned to do. Don, this is the part of the show where I give you your flowers. I don't believe in waiting until someone's gone to tell them how I feel about them. Mm -hmm. So here goes. Don, I really do believe your work has been accepted by a higher power, a higher force we call God. The reason why I say that is because you're somewhere every week or every other week. To me, that's a sign that you've been accepted. I am proud to know you. I am super excited about your future. I just want you to say, brother, that you're doing a lot of good in the world. Maybe you won't see that in your lifetime or in my lifetime, but you're planting the seeds in young people, adults, and most importantly, in your own family. Thank you, brother. So proud to be your friend. That. Thank you. Thank you, too. I feel the same about you, George. Keep doing your thing, man. Keep making that positive impact that you make. Don, let's put this in the universe. 
How can people contact you so that you can come speak, coach at their school, at their event, at their conference, at their corporation, not just in Chicago, not just in Flagstaff, not just in California, but worldwide, brother. How can people contact you? Absolutely. People can contact me. My email address is Dr. Don Parker at drdonparker.com. And that's drdonparker at drdonparker.com. Shoot me an email. I get my email and I'll respond to my emails within 24 to 48. Also, they can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at drdonparker1. And if you follow me, I follow you right back. You can also send me a message on Twitter. You can visit my website. My website is drdonparker.com. And on my website, I have a contact me now button. You hit that contact me now button, leave me a message, and then it come directly to my email. And I'll get right back to you and I'll follow up with you. That's it for this episode. Until next time, this is the Lifelong Learning to Find podcast. Thank you for listening to the Lifelong Learning to Find podcast with George Valenzuela.